We want to welcome everyone to our Memorial Day weekend activities. And this doesn't seem like Memorial Day because everything around us has been all messed up because of this coronavirus. But today, we're going to shut all that outside and we're going to focus on remembering. That's what Memorial Day is about, remembering. We're going to remember what Jesus did because what He did has saved us from the grave. And today, I think it would also be good for us to remember those who sacrificed. Um, I've always been stunned by this number. I've never gotten over this number. Statistically speaking, 1% in our nation, 1% serves in the military. 1%. 1% protects the 99. And if you're in the room today and you're a veteran, would you stand? We'd like to honor you today. You're a veteran. We got quite a few one percenters in here. And we remember those who died so that we could have the freedom and so they could hold back the darkness. But ultimately, ultimately, none of that would mean anything if it were not for the one who died. One. Today we gather in his name. There's a Jesus event. Recorded in the Gospel of Mark. It's not in any of the other Gospels. The story itself is quite unique, but the end of the story is a revelation of great truth. The deaf shall hear and the mute shall speak. Before I get into Mark's Gospel, have you ever noticed that people who cannot hear <clears throat> have very much difficulty speaking. You ever notice that? If you can't hear, it becomes impossible to adjust your voice in a proper way so that you can be heard normally. Our hearing has great bearing on our ability to speak. Now, you need to understand this before we start today. Our hearing has great effect on our ability to speak. They are absolutely connected physically, and they are absolutely connected spiritually. For us to be able to speak clearly, to communicate clearly, something has to come in to determine that which goes out. It's a spiritual and a physical truth. Now, I can tell you this wonderful, miraculous story of Jesus. It's found in Mark chapter 7, verse 31. Jesus left Tyre, and he went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Ten Towns. A deaf man. Now, here comes the star in today's story. A deaf man with a speech impediment. Now, it's logical why he has a speech impediment. Maybe he's got a, a something wrong with his tongue, but they're connected. This idea that a deaf man also happens to have a speech impediment. He was brought to Jesus, and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man and heal him. A deaf man with a speech impediment with many friends. 
That's what we've got right now in the story. It would be very easy for a deaf man with a speech impediment to spend his life all alone. But this guy has many people looking after him. It would be so easy to read that verse and miss the fact that he has many friends that care deeply about him. And these many friends are going to do something I consider incredible. They're going to approach Jesus and they're going to beg Jesus, plead with Jesus, will you heal my deaf, mute friend? The deaf man must have been of some noble character to have so many people willing to intercede on his behalf. But how much better would this guy be if he could hear? How much more full could his life be if he could hear and he could speak plainly? So his friends do something. This is really important. His friends do something. They intercede. His friends take a risk. You know, when you intercede, it's almost always a risk. You can stand off by yourself and it doesn't seem like much risk at all. When you go to bat for somebody else, there's a million things that can go wrong. They take a risk and they beg Jesus to set him free. Give him his hearing and give him his speech. His friends are seeking a supernatural move of God to be applied upon their deaf friend. I begin today by calling these unknown people, their names aren't in the Bible, these unknown people, I'm going to call them incredible friends. You need some people like this in your life. Somebody that will go to bat with you, for you, who will stand between you and God and ask God to come and rescue you. You need these kind of friends. They remind me of the friends. There's another story, and I've always been moved by that story, about these guys, this, this crippled, paralyzed guy, and uh, he can't move around. So his friends go to find Jesus. They take the roof off the house, and they take ropes, and they let this guy down in front of Jesus. You need those kind of friends in your life. Have you ever had an incredible friend like that? I have. One who would do anything to help you, set you free from trouble? Maybe a better question is this. Are you that kind of a friend for somebody? Everybody wants one of those kind of friends. Are you that kind of a friend for somebody who's in trouble? Would you do anything to help someone like that crippled guy that they let down through the roof, like this deaf guy that they go and ask Jesus, beg Jesus, plead with Jesus, please help my friend. In both cases, these incredible friends took action. They put their needy, fr needy friend in front of Jesus. This is really important. In both cases, you know what they did? Whether they're letting him down through the roof or whether they're going to Jesus personally and begging, Spiritually speaking, they're taking their friend and putting him in front of Jesus, exposing that friend to Jesus. They take a risk. They get out of their comfort zone to see if their friend can find help in Jesus, to hear from Jesus, to experience Jesus now, let's see if this risk pays off with this deaf man with a speech impediment. What Jesus does next in response to these incredible friends might just surprise you today. 
Mark 7, 33. Jesus led him away. So it worked, okay? So Jesus now has taken this deaf man with a speech impediment. He led him away from the crowd so that they could be alone. Jesus and the deaf man. Now, now remember, this guy can't hear. And Jesus puts his fingers into the man's ears. And then spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue. Now, obviously, that was long before the social distancing was in full effect. (laughs) This scene is very curious to me. First, Jesus removes the deaf man from the crowd. This deaf man needed to be alone with Jesus. But remember, he's deaf. He cannot hear Jesus. If Jesus starts talking, he can't hear him. Unless something happens, he can't hear. So Jesus does something that you don't have to hear. Anybody ever read this and thought, Jesus does something that you don't have to hear, but you can see. Jesus puts his fingers in the man's ears and he spits on his own fingers and touches the man's tongue. And you don't have to hear to experience Jesus when he does that. He went around that which was missing and touched that which was there. Jesus knows how to open a way for this deaf man to experience him. Now, I told you that this scene is curious to me. Why did Jesus put his finger in his ears, and why did he spit on his own fingers and touch the man's tongue? Why not just speak a word? Come on, why not just speak a word? This man could not hear that word. So Jesus does what this man can truly know and experience. He can see. His eyes are working. Jesus is revealing himself to the one sense that still works. The man can see. And he sees Jesus putting his fingers in his ears and touching his tongue. Jesus wants this deaf man to see and know him. Remember, this is Jesus' response to what? Begging friends. And here's something that, that you might read over, you might miss. There is no record in this story that this deaf man has asked Jesus to do anything. There's no record. Somebody else is doing all the asking on his behalf. You're talking about an incredible friend that's going to have an incredible impact and an incredible result. There's no record. This deaf man has asked Jesus for anything for him personally. The request and the intercession is from the deaf man's incredible friends. Jesus then touches the two parts. Listen, he touches the two parts of this man's life that need healing. His ears and his tongue. Jesus is touching specifically two things. His ears, this is important, spiritually and physically. His ears and his tongue. And then Jesus does something. Something that reveals the source of his power. He looks up into heaven. Verse 34. Now he's what? He's just put his fingers in the man's ears and he's just touched his tongue. Physically. Physically, physically. Verse 34, looking up into heaven, he sighed, and he said, Epatha, which means be opened. 
The voice that created the universe has just said, Epitha, be open. The voice that calmed the sea, the voice that cast out demons, the voice that raises people from the dead has just spoken a word, Epitha, be open. Ears, Epitha, be opened to hear. Epitha, tongue, be opened to speak. Be open to do what the master has ordained you to do. This epitha moment is going to open a whole new world for this man, a whole new life for this man. Everything's going to be different for this man because he has encountered Jesus's epitha. Be open. Do I need to remind you that there's no record that this deaf man with a speech impediment asked for anything? This deaf man had incredible friends who interceded on his behalf in front of Jesus. And how did Jesus respond to their requests, these begging friends? How did Jesus respond to their, please help my friend? Epitha. Be open. And what do you think is going to happen when Jesus says epitha? Let's get going a million directions. What do you, you think is going to happen when the creator of the universe looks at you personally? He touches your ears. He touches your tongue. And he says, Epitha, be open. Verse 35, instantly. <laughs> he doesn't need speech therapy. He doesn't need hearing aids. Instantly, the man could hear perfectly. And his tongue was freed so he could speak plainly. When I read that verse, I got to tell you, when I write, I lock the door, I go in there, I don't want anybody around me. I just, I just like to just let the Scripture do what the Scripture does. And when I read that verse, verse 35, I immediately thought of Jesus' words to the exiled apostle John on the island of Patmos as recorded in the book of Revelation, 65 years after the cross. Six, so I'm, I immediately see the book of Revelation, and I see Jesus' letter that he's telling John to write down as Jesus reveals it to him. Six, more than 65 years in the future. Epitha. You know what came to my mind? And I'm convinced that's how the Holy Spirit works. Revelation 3, 7. It's the letter that Jesus told John to write to the church in Philadelphia. Here's what he says. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true. The one who has the key of David. What he opens. What he epithas. No one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. Epitha. Immediately this deaf man could hear perfectly. Epitha. Immediately he could speak plainly. And who was it that put this deaf man next to the ear-opening power of Jesus? Those incredible friends. Exposing their friend, exposing their friend, purposefully exposing their friend to Jesus. Incredible friends. Now, you would miss this next point if you were not really careful. 
In the next verse, the crowd is back. Had they followed Jesus and the deaf man, or did Jesus return to them? I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is this. The next scene has great eternal application even now. Even now. Especially now. Verse 36. Jesus told the crowd. Now, he's bringing back this guy who's just experienced epitha. He can hear. He's never been able to hear. He can speak. He's never been able to speak. So he brings this man who has experienced Jesus' epitha opening moment, and he brings him back to the crowd, and I bet he's jabbering. I bet he's jabbering. So Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone. Whoa. What? Jesus said, don't tell anyone. But the more he told them not to tell anyone, the more they spread the news. Jesus told them to hold their tongues after he's loosened his. But they couldn't do it. Anybody hear me? Jesus says, shh. No, don't tell anybody. The one that just set the tongue of the deaf man free can't stop the crowd's tongue from speaking this supernatural good news. This crowd has just experienced Jesus. They've just experienced Jesus' epithet moment. They've experienced an opening of their own hearts by the power that's beyond anyone on earth. They just saw a man do what men can't do. To speak a word of healing. To touch and heal. How could anyone who has experienced this epitha moment of Jesus be silent? I told you this has great application right now, especially right now. How can anyone, how can anyone who has experienced the epitha moment of God, the opening of God in your life, ever be silent? Verse 37. They were completely amazed. Here's the crowd that sees this man who can now speak. Who can now hear? The crowd was completely amazed and said again and again, everything he does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. I sympathize with this crowd. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I look at this crowd and I, I, there's a bit of sympathy. How could you possibly leave that scene that day? <laughs> Honey, what'd you do today? <laughs> How do, you, how do you do it? How do, how do you do it? I don't know how. How could you possibly be silent after you having your eyes, your heart, your mind open to this man named Jesus? Now, can I ask the church, if you're here in the audience or you're listening online, can I ask you church people a really big question today? How could you possibly be silent? Once you have encountered the opening of Jesus in your heart. Amen, How in the world can you do it? The more, here's what, here's what Mark records. The more he told them not to, the more they spread the good news. Let that sentence sink into your heart for a moment. Everybody, let that sentence sink into your heart. Is this a rebellion against Jesus' request? He says, shh, 
And they go blabber it? Is this rebellion against Jesus' request? No, I, I don't think so. No, I think this crowd cannot close that which Jesus has opened. They cannot close it. You cannot close what he epithas. What he epithas is open, supernaturally opened. They can't close it. In Revelation, he told John, what he opens, no one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. You are now seeing how the unstoppable church, listen, listen, you are right now, right now, this moment, in this context, in this scripture, in our day, you are seeing how the unstoppable church of Jesus Christ was going to survive and thrive throughout the coming centuries as we await on his return. Jesus will epithaw some people, and those people will be able to, they will, they will be opened, and because they have been opened, no one will be able to close what Jesus has opened. This is how the church works. Even if some governors see churches as non-essential, Jesus has opened something, some people, and they cannot close because the power of the epitha is bigger than the power of man, it's bigger than the power of earth, it's bigger than the power of governors or presidents or nations or people. What he opens, what he opens, no one can close. In fact, all you're going to do is hurt yourself to shut this door. That's all you're going to do. Let me give you an example to help you understand the supernatural power of the church. Jesus comes, and he does something, and he opens something. And when he opens it, people can't close it. They can try to close it, but you can't close it. And then the word starts to spread, and this person then gets opened by the message, and they open another person by the message. And after the resurrection, let me give you a physical example. After the resurrection from the grave, Jesus comes back in his resurrected body, and he's going to epithaw the apostles from his resurrected flesh. I want to give you a specific example to show you what I'm talking about. This is how the church has power. It's found in Luke 24, verse 44. Remember, this is after the resurrection. Jesus has been risen from the grave. Then he said, when I was with you before, he's looking at his apostles. Now, he's talking about before I died, before the cross. When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses, of the prophets, and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Everything written in here is going to happen. And then he epithas their minds. He opened. What's the word epitha? Be open. And he opened their minds to what? To what? You want to see the power of the church? He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And what he opens, somebody can close. And what he closes, you can't open. He opened their minds to understand the Scripture, and he says, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer. Where was it written? By the way, you've got a copy of it. It was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message, what message? You're hearing it today. This message would be proclaimed in authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. What message? There is forgiveness of sins for anyone and everyone who will repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now, here it comes, here it comes. 
Now, he's, he's raised from the dead, and he's about to leave. He's going to leave. He's going to take his seat at the right hand of the Father. Now, now what? You're going to commission the church. Now what? Verse 49, and now I will send the Holy Spirit. You want to know what the epithet is? I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you, fills you, opens up a power inside of you, fills you with the power from heaven to open doors that no one can ever close. Do you see it? This is the power of the church. He epithod, he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures, and what he opens no one can shut. Jesus announces the coming of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit fell upon them when? On the day of Pentecost. This too was God's epithah opening moment. What He opened, no one can shut. The gates of hell will not prevail against Jesus' epithah. Governments, pandemics cannot close what He opens. The Holy Spirit filled Peter and John. The Holy Spirit came upon Peter and John. They experienced a supernatural opening, a supernatural epithet. And guess what they started to do? This is just, that's what it does to my mind. They started to do what Jesus did before he left. Anybody hear me? Now, Jesus is gone. And you have to say, if you're one of those guys, now what? I mean, when you're here, you got all this power. You can epithet somebody. Now what? So the Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost, and guess what? They start to have the power to do what Jesus was doing. I want to show it to you. Except this time, Jesus is not doing it from the outside. He's doing it from the inside through them. Acts 3 verse 1. Now, they've been epithet. They've been opened. Holy Spirit's come. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in a three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth. This sounds like another Jesus story. But Jesus isn't here this day, or is he? Maybe he's here in the form of the Holy Spirit. There's a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them, eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or any gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. What he opens, no one can close. I'll give you what I have in the name. What name? Jesus. Say the name out loud. Say it out loud. Say it out loud. I don't have any silver and I don't have any gold, but I'll tell you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Epithah. Epithah. Now, Peter and John are just normal guys that have experienced the opening. Jesus is inside of them, directing them. This is not their idea. They're under the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit. Their idea was left back 
way back when they died and were born again. The lame man gets up. Guess what he does? <laughs> Do you think he's going to get up? And well, I probably shouldn't walk. It might offend somebody. <laughs> kind of like the guy who can now speak being silent. The lame man gets up and he walks and he dances around the temple. A crowd assembles. And guess what? As the crowd assembles, what a wonderful opportunity to preach. Listen closely to the words of God through Peter. They're epithet words. They open truth. They open eternal truth. Some of you in the audience today need to hear these words so that you can experience the epithet of God that comes by the power of God through the Holy Spirit. You need this healing. Verse 16, here's what Peter preaches. Jesus is preaching it. He's just using Peter's body. That's how the Holy Spirit still does it. Verse 16, through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before? Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. Now, what should we do? Repent. Repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things. As God promised long ago through his holy prophets, Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. And then Moses said, please hear these words from Moses recorded in the Scripture. Anyone who will not listen. Now, I'm going to connect this to that guy in the original story. He's deaf. He can't hear. And because he's deaf, he can't speak. He's empty. He can't have a full life. And what's Moses saying? Anyone who will not listen to that prophet, the one that's going to come after Moses, we know that to be Jesus, will be completely cut off from God's people. Not being able to hear could be a really bad thing. Anyone who will not listen cannot hear. This prophet will be completely cut off from God's people. Why would? So here's Peter. This guy's dancing around. He's been healed. He's lame his whole life. Here he is dancing in the temple. Peter stands up and says what I just read to you, quoting Moses. Why would any of that teaching be a problem? This is really important. Why would anybody take offense to that message? I mean, after all, there's evidence right there beside you that this guy supernaturally has been healed. Peter was speaking this truth among a group of religious people that had not yet experienced the epithet. Are you with me? Why would it be offensive? Why would that healing, supernatural touch of God in the name of Jesus be offensive to anyone? Because the people who have not experienced the epithet, they can't hear. The people who have not experienced the opening, it's still shut. And because it's still shut, they're not going to accept the words out of Peter's mouth. 
The religious leaders take, so what do they do? What do they do? They take Peter and John into custody, and they demand that they close that which Jesus has opened. Anybody with me? They demand, close your mouth. They demand to close that which Jesus has opened. Verse 16. What should we do with these men? These are religious leaders who now have Peter and John captive. We can't deny they have performed a miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak. <laughs> Good luck with that. We must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them, never again, zip it. That's what my parents used to say, zip it. Okay, zip it. Never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John reply, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot. We cannot stop telling about everything we've seen and heard. Everybody listen to me. There is the power of the church. Peter and John had experienced Jesus' epithet, the opening, and no one can close that which Jesus has opened. Even unto death. Are you hearing me? Even unto death. All of the apostles except John. All of the apostles except John were eventually put to death because they would not close that which Jesus had opened. All you got to do is close your mouth. Just stop his name and you can live. And none of them could do it. They couldn't close their mouths that Jesus had opened. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is still a mystery surrounding this epithet. Why are some allowed to hear and see while others seemingly cannot? I, I'm going to tell you, I've talked about it over the years. It is still a mystery to me. This was prophesied by Isaiah more than 700 years before the time of Christ. And Jesus actually quotes Isaiah's prophecy in the Gospel of Matthew. And the Apostle Paul quotes it also in his final days in prison while he's in Rome. So Jesus quotes Isaiah. Paul quotes Isaiah. Let me read Paul's quote of Isaiah found in Acts 28, verse 25. And after they had argued back and forth among themselves, Paul's trying to convince the, the Jews in Rome that Jesus is Messiah. After they argued back and forth among themselves, they left with this final word from Paul. The Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors through Isaiah the prophet, go and say to this people, when you hear, here's the ears again, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. It's a mystery. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. It's a mystery. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So I want you to know that the salvation that you can't hear, the salvation, Jewish people. Paul's talking, trying to convince these Jewish people, Jesus is your Messiah. Verse 28. 
So I want you to know. This is big. Listen, church. This is big. That this salvation from God has been offered to the Gentiles. And they will accept it. This is our time. I wish everybody hearing my voice today would understand this is our time. This is the time of Jesus' epiphany to the Gentile world. The opening. The opening of the Gentiles to know Christ and be saved. But I believe our time. Listen, I believe our time is running out. And the opening will be the closing that no one can open. Is anybody listening? It is our time. He has opened the season, the church age in which the Gentile world has had our ears opened, our eyes opened, our hearts opened so that we can experience the epithel of Jesus. But that door that right now stands open to the Gentile world will one day close. And what he closes, no one can open. Jesus said the door opens and it also closes. When I was doing this revelation study and the rapture of the church study just recently, the parable of the ten virgins. Five of them were ready. The bridegroom's coming. They heard. There's oil in their lamps and they went through an open, open door. And then what happened? The door closed. And here comes the five foolish bridesmaids. And they come in there. We're ready now. What he closes, no one will open. What he opens, no one can close. Today, I'll ask everyone, can you hear? Can you see? Have you experienced Jesus' epithet? The opening. I cannot be silent about this man named Jesus. And yes, I have experienced his epithet. What he has opened in my heart cannot be closed. He has opened my eyes to see the urgency of the time we now live in. I see the signs. He has given me eyes supernaturally to see the signs. I see the signs. I don't know the exact timing, but I see the signs. I hear the warnings. The Holy Spirit has opened up in me a time that we should be warning people. The opening will soon be the closing. The opening will soon be the closing. And I'm going to tell you what Jesus told the church in Philadelphia. What he opens, no one can close. And what he closes, no one will open. He has touched my tongue. I know there are people hearing me and you think, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I still believe that God still does this. He has touched my tongue so that I might speak of his amazing power to save, his amazing power to heal. If I were totally honest today, and I guess I will be in the midst of this worldwide pandemic, I feel like the prophet Jeremiah. I do. Oftentimes I wonder what it would have been like to have been Jeremiah. I want to read to you from the book of Jeremiah and explain why I would say that today. 
This is how the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah described the epithal moment in his life because God had touched him. And you know what? Listen, Jeremiah was a last day's prophet. There's no other way to read it. He's a last day's prophet with a last day's message that nobody wanted to hear. And yet he's got God on one side saying, do not dare close your mouth. And he got the people on the other side, do not dare open your mouth. And here's Jeremiah in the middle. But God said, but the people don't want to hear it. But God said, but the people don't want to hear it. But God said, but the people don't want to hear it. What did God say? The judgment of God was coming and there was only one way to survive. Everybody listen. To Jeremiah, God said, judgment's coming. I'm bringing judgment upon Judah and Jerusalem, and there's only one way to survive. Surrender. 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 Hear the word from the Lord and surrender. This is how Jeremiah described his epithal moment of God. It's found in Jeremiah 20, verse 7. He said, oh, Lord, you misled me. And I allowed myself to be misled. You are stronger than I am, and you overpowered me. Now I am mocked every day. Everyone laughs at me. When I speak, the words burst out what? What was his sermon? What did God put upon him to preach? Violence and destruction. Violence and destruction. How many times are you going to come to his service? Let's go down the road. They're not talking about violence and destruction. Down the road, they make me feel good. I go to Jeremiah, violence and destruction. So the messages from the Lord have made me a household joke. But if I say, I'll never mention the Lord. If I say, I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name. His words burn in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I'm worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. I, like Jeremiah, have a watchman message that many don't want to hear today. And here it is. The deliverer is coming. He's coming. Can you see the signs? They're all around us. If you have eyes that see and ears that hear, you will know. And we just so happen to be in a worldwide plague. Did you notice? And the only way to survive the coming judgment today, much like in the time of Jeremiah, is to surrender. Except this time, don't surrender to Babylon's King Nebuchadnezzar. This time, surrender to the King Jesus. It's the only way to survive. Today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart, but cry out to God, to Ephana, Ephana, Epitha. You thought as many times I'd said that, I'd got it right by now. <laughs> Today, do not harden your hearts, but ask God to Epitha you. Open your ears, your eyes, your heart, your mind. Yes, 
There's still a mystery surrounding why some can see and hear and why others cannot. I have one last plea to all of you today, and I ask you to listen carefully as I close. The power of the church was always based on this epitha of Jesus. Jesus would come and touch a person and open their eyes, their ears, their hearts, their mind to the truth. And that person would become a disciple of Jesus Christ who would then go and do to somebody else what somebody did to them. And they would go do to somebody else what they had, done, had been done to them. And that's how the church was designed to work. That God would open me he would do an opening in me, and because he opened in me, I cannot be silent, so I would go and share what he did. My testimony is the story of God's epithet in my life, and I cannot be silent, so I go tell somebody, and as I tell them, the word then opens up their heart, and then they go tell somebody, and they go tell somebody, and they go tell somebody, and the, the people, the government, or people who don't have their epithet, they'll say, shh, but you can't but you can't do it. I call these disciples who make disciples incredible friends. Do you remember those people who interceded between the deaf man and Jesus? They begged Jesus to epithet their deaf friend's ears. Would you do that for somebody? I'm going to look across the room in the audience. Listen, would you do that for somebody? Would you plead with Jesus to open somebody's ears by name? Would you go stand between that person and Jesus and say, they can't hear. They can't see. Would you please epithet them? Would you expose your deaf friend to Jesus, whatever it takes? So I, I might take a risk. They might think I'm a Jesus nut. I am a Jesus nut. You may think I'm weird. I am weird. Mark 7, 36. Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone. I've often thought I need to come to church and tell y'all, do not speak of Jesus' name anymore. Because that's what happened. Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone, but the more he told them not to, the more they spread the good news. Maybe we're going about this all wrong. They were completely amazed and said again and again, everything he does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. The deaf will hear and the mute will speak. But if I say, here's Jeremiah, but if I say I will never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones and I am worn out trying to hold it. I cannot do it. If you can't hear, listen, if you're wondering why you cannot tell somebody about Jesus, if you can't hear, you cannot speak. If you cannot hear, if your ears are closed, you will never be able to effectively communicate a message that you yourself have not received. So first, I pray that your ears are open. And I pray that after your ears are open, your mouth will speak. How much longer will the door be open? I'm going to ask Chad to come out for the invitation. How much longer will the door be open? What he opens, no one can close. And what he closes, no one will open. Can you see the signs? I've had 
a thousand people, it seems like, ask me, do you think that this worldwide pandemic, this coronavirus is a judgment of God? I believe this coronavirus is God's wake-up call to the world. Wake up before the door closes. Wake up. First, open your ears to hear the truth of this message. And after you encounter Jesus, Epitha, then speak, speak a word of truth to those incredible, be a credible, incredible friend to somebody who doesn't know. I'm going to pray. Father, I pray that you would do a supernatural Epitha moment in this room and in all who are listening to the service today. I'm asking in Jesus' name, Epitha, be open that all who will hear these words will know the Christ, the Savior, our Messiah. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.